0: Alright, y'all, what is happening? This is your man, L Jamal, coming through with another edition of my series, The Golden State Issue. Of course, this is part six. Uh, this is pretty much uh, detailing Mexico pretty much returning to California after the war uh, in large numbers in terms of immigration. This is also going to be the turn of the century of California history as well, and all that kind of blending into one. And what I mean by I mean by Mexico returning is, it's, it's kind of very, well, it's important important to understand that before we, um, you know, we, before we get into the big, you know, immigration and the big moves and waves of people, it's important to realize, especially with the Mexican demographic, that. They've always, in a way, they've always been here. So the, the the term immigrant, I don't know if it really applies to them, I don't know if it really has. They've been here, uh, well, let's be honest, they were the second major people group to come here, uh, really into, a, at least to establish land and territory and all that, outside, of course, of the Native Americans, of course. Now. Uh so again now they were already you know have they were even after the Mexican American War they decided to remain during the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties in the American Southwest and of course in California. Uh now The reason being in a lot of cases was they were already comfortable there Uh, In a lot of ways they had already naturalized in this area because in this in these areas because again uh, When Mexico and Spain uh, were pretty much the dominant power of these areas again, we'll backtrack a little bit uh, They kind of left these areas kind of to their own devices They were so vast and so spread apart from each other They kind of just left them out there kind of distant and uh, these communities were, were forever at attack or uh, especially uh, or especially at risk of a raid from any main Native American tribe at the time, whether it be the Comanches or sometimes the Apache, so on and so forth. In Northern California, there were some very vicious uh, battles between tribes as well. I believe in the Southern California area, saying there was some drama there as well between between tribes. And since there wasn't a real centralized military power established at that point in time in Mexico, and that would lead to its extending territories as well in the Texas and what would be eventually California, their two main hubs. Uh, they would, like I said, they would be constantly at threat of foreigners and also not only foreigners like I said the natives as well Uh, so and one thing that began to happen between the two communities were uh, at least between the Southwest uh, and also California was these groups begin to really become culturally uh, different Uh, now Californians uh, who were also known as Californios the original when we're talking the original Mexican the uh, of Mexican heritage um, Californians, the original, you know, quote unquote, Californians, mind you. Uh, they were also known as Norteños. This is where the word Norteño does come from. Mexican Northern, they, they were referring to the, the people living in the Mexican Northern provinces, aka California. There you go. You also had Tejas, aka Texas. There's where you had the Tejanos. Um, now, uh they would they would eventually now all these groups at some point would join forces with the Americans at some point or another because at at some point there was a disconnect between Spain the motherland at least for them or and that and at some point in the early 1800s after Mexico formed as a nation there was a disconnect with Mexico. Uh now Again, by 1848, uh, the native, well, at least you could call them the Mexican Californians. There was about 10,000 remaining Mexicans uh, that were in California. Now. like I said, there were already cultural differences between the, the Mexicans in uh, California and also the Mexicans in the Southwest. For one, uh, the term Mexican, like I said, also along with the word Norteño and also California, that was referred to the Californian, uh, the, the Mexicans living in California. They also wanted to go by Mexican. Now, also in the Southwest, here's where you have the differences here, where they were also known as Tejanos. Also in the New Mexico territory and other those and all those other areas they wanted to be more referred to as spanish and uh these communities were pretty um i would say at least they were of course kind of spread out against the uh, spread out uh amongst each other uh but they were pretty heavily populated and they were able to hold on to many uh, aspects of the spanish and also mexican culture and they would live pretty much along in white enclaves or you know While the white uh, population was, of course, immigrated into their territory, because technically, let's be honest, the Anglos and the people you see here today are the descendants of people who moved here. They are immigrants. That's just the way that they would technically be immigrants. Because again... California and Texas were not the United States. So again, uh, the Spanish communities in the Southwest and Texas remain pretty much strong because the the Mexicans in, in California were so outnumbered. At one point, uh, they had to, it was a very different dynamic. Uh, California, we talked about uh, the vagrants law in previous episodes. I believe it was, uh, it was a couple different laws. Greaser laws, that's where the word greaser comes from. The derogatory term related to those people again i would never use it again i'm just saying this is where it comes from this is historical this actually came from a point in our history in california as liberal as this state comes off as being now again going back into how these cultures kind of uh developed on their own again uh for california because like i said they were so outnumbered at one point i believe almost three to one uh they were actually like i said they were put in conditions that were almost similar. To Jim Crow, like that, like that, in the American South, eventually for African Americans. Now, again, we already know about the, the Treaty of the, uh, Gu- uh, Guadalupe Hidalgo, also the Gadsden Purchase, which allowed the U.S. after the after the Mexican-American War to attain all these territories. Now now the spanish people or the mexicans as they will prefer to be called uh in these territories eventually that will eventually become states of course they will become u.s citizens however many lawsuits on the state and federal level and also many 18 and many 181 1850 laws uh in california pretty much would strip land for many Californios, uh their land grants were not pretty, they were pretty much, uh, that they were given from the government of Mexico and even dating back from Spain were pretty much null and void. And the U S government was making way for their people. So again, they were made citizens, but they lost a lot of their land holdings. A lot of people ended up, uh, pretty much homeless. Now, unlike other areas, like I said, uh, Mexico, uh, California had a very small Mexican population. Again, they were put in very, uh, Very, well, like I said, the institutionalized racism was there. And this would actually give rise to bandits and the well-known bandits and gangs that you heard about. uh, For one being uh, Anastasio Garcia and also Tabersio Vasquez. Now, you might not have heard of these people by name, uh, but they do inspire some of the legends of Joaquin Marietta, uh, who I believe was a a living person as well in the Monterey area. Those three people would kind of be formed into making the legends of zorro and stuff like that so again you had a culture that was uh being displaced and mistreated and i think this quote is very interesting to say here uh i wanted to share this one with you and this is a quote directly from tabirico uh vasquez himself again a well-known bandit of course uh it was almost like a robin hood type thing at the time because again well let's just i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you his quote and we can kind of see just where he was coming from at this point in time, uh, he will go on to say a spirit of hatred and revenge took possession of me. I had numerous fights in defense of what I believed to be my rights and those of my countrymen. I believe we were unjustly deprived of the social uh, rights that belong to us. And at the time, uh, you had very, of course, very repressive laws, not only to natives, but also to Mexicans. And again, again, these were Jim Crow like I'm going to compare them to Jim Crow uh, Southern uh, America. So in the in the United States, in the Western United States, of course, again, you don't really hear about racism in the beginning and all that because again we'll get to another reason why you don't hear that in a little bit but for one it wasn't a whole lot of black people here so it again they kind of they kind of slipped this under the rug but again there was a lot of racism Uh, we'll get into some more of that drama uh, and actually right now actually um now the lynching of mexicans was almost as prevalent of the of the blacks uh, at this time now of course it was concentrated in different areas of the country uh now the lynching Uh, the lynching of mexicans of course like i said is but it it is very seldom talked about in history Now it happened at an alarming rate but again they do not necessarily you will not hear this in too many places uh we're gonna break down some of these stats here about 597 mexicans were lynched between 1848 and 1928 uh mostly in california during the gold rush period again these people were again these people were already living here Uh, they owned deeds and property rights given to them by either the Spanish or the Mexican government Uh, again there was no again you had Anglo settlers here coming here illegally. Uh, they had no, again, they had no real citizenship. A lot of them, and uh, again, and even uh, after the war, a lot of cases, again, there were still a lot of illegal Anglo immigration. And what was going on was they were basically taking over these people's farms, these people's uh, haciendas. Uh, if oh, I would, yeah, even haciendas, even if they were near. Any type of gold fields. This is what would be happening. There'd be violence. Uh, they would actually be court cases in which the courts would decide in the case of the miners, of course, because now California is a U.S. state. And again, at this time, uh, Calif- uh, Mexicans and of course the Chinese uh, were the two main ethnic groups in the state at the time. Of course, they were, you know, discriminated against. Uh, but let's get into these lynchings. Some more of these lynching numbers. Like I said, between 1848 and 1928. 597 Mexicans were lynched at a rate of two, uh, 27.4 per 100,000. And that was second to blacks, who were at 37 per 100,000. Like I said, during the California Gold Rush, 200 Mexican uh, immigrants, because again, now this is the U.S., uh, this, this is the new U.S. nation now, uh, during the California Gold Rush, 200 Mexicans uh, will be. Uh, sorry would be lynched uh, as well and the racial tensions led to another 163 uh, mexicans being lynched uh, between 1848 uh, and national uh, sorry 1850 and also 1860 so again um, a lot of violence a lot of drama and again the government was not stepping in to really address the situation and now in and we look in the history books we don't hear anything about this type of stuff we do hear about what happened in the deep south and all the jim crow stuff but again this did not this did not just happen just to us again uh there's a very uh there's i have examples here in this series of how uh government groups would allow militias to just go and have extermination bans for Native Americans. So there you go. Uh, also, in the 19th century, uh, during the post-war era and uh, the railroad era, Mexican Americans uh, and, and uh, Mexican Americans and immigrants, Mexican immigrants, would find work on the railroad and also in the agricultural fields uh, in California, plus in mining as well. In the late 19th century and also the early 20, the early 20th century, uh, Mexican immigration will yet will rise yet again. This time uh, being in the san francisco bay area and also in la near the imperial valley uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, and when we come back we're going to break down uh, some of what went on in the 20th century and we're also going to break down the bracero program uh one of the well uh, uh, one of the we're going to break down both uh big migration wave of uh, waves of latinos in the 20th century before i let you guys go tonight so i'll be right back guys all right All right, y'all, I am back, and I'm going to break down uh, some of the major reasons uh, behind Mexican immigration, uh, basically in the latter latter halves of the 19th century and also the beginning of the 20th century, and tonight we'll be finishing off with the Bracero program, uh, which was the United States initiative uh, to pretty much bring some more labor here throughout um, throughout the war effort throughout World War Two, and I'm gonna uh, get into how I feel a little bit about that and my thoughts about that as well uh, but let's get right into it a lot of factors well the main factor behind uh, Mexican immigration at this time uh, is basically civil war uh, there's been a lot of um, Minor, um, well, I wouldn't say mutinies, but you can call them revolutions and disruptions within the government. All pretty much throughout Mexico, the country's history, Uh, especially after the Mexican-American War. The economy was strapped. Uh, A lot of people were being uh, displaced via, via, you know, employment, also having their land stripped away from the powerful uh, elite. Uh, classes. So again, there was some uh, haves and some have-nots, uh, some definite class warfare, and over time, uh, it would lead to you know massive violence for long stretches of time. Uh, one of the main uh, catalyst, well, one of the main wars here was the one that occurred in 1911. Uh, this would force a million Mexicans uh, to move to the United States. Actually, it would end up killing another two over two and a half million of them. Uh, this was fought, of course, for uh, land rights. Uh, also, you had two political ideologies going at it with each other, and involved Emiliano Zapata and also Pancho Villa. Uh, of course, you know corruption uh, lack of you know distribution of resources and wealth these were the main uh, problems uh, headed into that again these problems uh, pretty much persisted throughout Mexico uh, again since its inception as a state and you know somewhat even to this day I mean a lot of Mes- a lot of uh, Mexican people are still immigrating to the United States for these uh, situations especially now, with the drug epidemic and the drug cartel war that they do have currently going on now, so uh, Mexico uh, for the better half of uh, the 1800s and also uh, the early 19th century uh, was a very violent place uh, in a lot of different places. So again, uh, so when uh, Mexicans would arrive in California, they mostly started to go to LA and also San Diego. Of course, they would uh, find way to the San- find their way to the San- francisco bay area as well and of course i know that my the ideas and the you know the environment and the culture uh when it comes to the situation has changed but I, I, i i i stumbled across this Um, I sum across some information about this stuff here and I really thought it surprised me now due to the competition of jobs and also for housing uh, you had many Mexican Americans and their kind of political uh, I guess you could say pseudo political groups at the time uh, and you know establishing the states were kind of against massive immigration because again like I said uh, they believed that they would have to compete for houses and also jobs and he also believed that the immigrants promoted a stereotype that was lazy and also violent and I thought that really blew my mind of course it's you know that's how uh, you know I guess that's how you know uppity black people think about poor black people of course it's you know it's not um it's not unusual, but I just see now you know especially with the uh, the unity at least that the Latino, you know, community exhibits nowadays, especially with the immigrant community, for the most part, you at least see them saying, you know, this is, this is a part of our community, you know, we're going to accept them. This blew my mind to know that, you know, in the turn of the century in this country in California, this was not necessarily the case. now, some like I said, uh, there would be formations of you know, like I said, political groups uh, or just you know, uh, social groups uh, within uh, black, uh, sorry, Latino uh, sections of the community. Uh, they one of the major groups that they were formed will be the United Latin American Citizens, uh, which promoted citizenship for immigrants and also naturalization. And uh, basically, uh, they wanted to um, you know teach. Uh, teach english like the english language and also uh anti-discrimination they wanted to promote anti-discrimination not only with the mexican-american population but also with the immigrant population as well so kind of creating a united front of that put on that front so again it existed the anti-immigrant you know kind of situation existed amongst mexican americans for a little bit but again it was just very brief and eventually they were able to work past that for the better good for the most part now, uh, another 500,000 people would immigrate, uh, between uh, actually between 1926 and 1926 due to another civil war, and of course, uh, you know, so again, you know, more friction there. I think this one had more to do, uh, with the Catholic Church, if I'm not mistaken, and also the government there. Uh, there was some violence in that one, so again, uh, you know, just keeping people on the move, they can't, you know really they can't work they can't farm and that was what they were about so again you know they're constantly in fear of their lives Uh, probably their crops and their land is being taken away or something like that so again people are still moving to this country however during the Great Depression of course in the 1930s 400,000 Mexicans will be deported in 1935 uh, they would pretty much make Mexicans ineligible for US citizenship However, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, this is a a true fact here, come at me, Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt decided to have the State Department, the Census Bureau, and also the Labor Department pretty much classify people of Mexican descent as white. And uh, that pretty much allowed them to keep immigrating into this country because at the time, people who were not white were not allowed to immigrate to this country Hmm. now again this all kind of makes sense because starting in the summer of 1942 uh because of the because of the lack of the workforce because of course war uh because of war the war uh world war ii uh the the U.S. government would, would develop the Bracero program, which would basically uh, allow contracted uh, Mexican workers or laborers to, you know, to get into the country. Again, there was still a ban on Chinese immigration, so again, the Mexican population was booming in these areas. And not only did they settle in California and the Southwest uh, states that we've previously talked about, they also really spread out to areas across the country, uh, New York City also they will go to kansas city as well also end up migrating to chicago so a lot of different places uh but again the Bracero program will be will bring four million mexicans to america by 1964 pretty much uh, having them work in the agricultural fields manufacturing lines of course uh you know labor jobs, also in the meatpacking district if we're talking in the Midwest in Kansas City and also Chicago. Uh, 4, uh, 4, 437,000 workers would pretty much come every year. And again, they a lot of them, uh, of course, they would all venture out into those places that I uh, mentioned before, uh, but they would also, majority of them would end up settling in the Central Valley out there uh, in California and also parts of the Pacific Northwest, of course, working uh, primarily in the agricultural field, so uh, that's pretty much uh, how they they did that. But I pretty much, you know, honestly, you know, I feel the. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I have no problem uh, with. Uh, I have no problem with the Bracero program and the jobs that they provided, and pretty much allowing people to move here. But again we pretty much open. I, uh, you know, I'm looking at it in hindsight. I'm looking at the situation we're facing right now and we're so anti immigration. We're so anti this, but so many years ago, we had no problem with exploiting these people. Uh, we, we would actually, you know, again, with through the Brazil program, we would actually have contracted workers pretty much have free reign to come over here. Um, and again, you know, it, you know, back in these days, there wasn't an, a, a real established border. I mean, so again, I mean, I'm just surprised that there were there really weren't larger numbers of uh, Latinos, especially from Mexico and Central in Central America, uh, immigrating to America even back then. Uh, so, again, I, you know, when it was right to benefit off these people, the U.S. government decided to, you know, make all type of concessions. They even made uh made mexicans identify or like you know hispanics in general uh, they had them identified as white so they can be cleared to immigrate here because again the chinese weren't and for whatever reason they weren't allowing chinese to at this time that wouldn't those bands would not be lifted uh until maybe a little bit after world war Two. so again very uh, strange situation here um again you definitely see some exploitation here believe it i mean of course you do see it um so again i'm starting you know again you know the floodgates were open in in my opinion in terms of immigration at one point in time i'm trying to figure out where this mentality changed uh of course we see today uh the the the, this the same kind of worries okay the same type of worries that uh the latino the mexican american community uh, would have in the 1920s uh, concerning the immigrants about them taking their jobs, uh, kind of expanded now in the future. Now everybody, or it's a blanket, you know, the the American populace feels that way. Uh, but again, as as history has always shown us, even today, uh, a lot of these people, and this is not to you know to shortchange them because of course uh, these this is a fast. Uh, One of the fastest growing uh, groups in terms of education and higher education out there. So uh, but historically, even back then, uh, they would primarily be um, in agricultural areas. Uh, Whites have always been just for the sake of just not being racist, just kind of generalizing. They're manufacturing, guys. That's what they do. They're blue-collar in a sense of, you know, they're tow truckers. They do stuff like that. They oil rig. Uh, black folks can do a little bit of everything, to be honest with you. Give us the choices. Asians always tended to be, well, in the beginning, uh, they were definitely into the railroad. world. They did have those labor jobs. Now things have changed. Uh, they're definitely into the tech. This is just generalizations. Don't come at me not being racist at all. Um, again, so again, even, even, you know, Historic. so the, the notion of taking people's jobs, taking, uh, people's, you know, uh, employment, again, these are jobs that a lot of people didn't want and they weren't attracting people. And even to this day, they don't attract a lot of people. I'm not too sure. I'm not, I, I never met too many people that said they will want to do these same jobs that you know these immigrants would do uh again uh you know of course we all work in retail we do find some working in retail as well but again you know nobody goes out of their way to say that's been my lifelong dream to work in in retail or to pick lettuce just let's keep it real they just do what's available they're doing what's available to them and they're doing what people are not doing and that's pretty much always kind of been the case Uh, The U.S. government brought them here under the BROSERA program because what? Nobody was here to really work. Everybody was serving uh, in large numbers in the military. And again, in in that side of the country, they didn't have a workforce. Uh, that being the western, uh, the western states and those uh, farm fields and in the central valley. So again, I, I don't see a pattern of taking jobs. Uh, we already are seeing a pattern. of, If, if anything, let's just be honest. If we're going to see a pattern of taking, uh, we're going to see a, the, the, the matter of the, the matters of taking came from uh, the Anglo settlers and eventually their governments that eventually were set up. Uh, they took land from the natives. They took land from the the, the Meskins uh, that had established themselves there they took their land grants and basically burnt them um so again i don't the the we're i mean i'm trying to write down a lot of these stereotypes the job stealing i don't see it man i again the history hasn't shown us that and even today it hasn't really shown us that as well again um again i can't you know again begin to get into where a lot of these stereotypes and these negative, uh, especially nowadays, because this is the big this is the big moment where, Trump, where we have one uh, faction in the country that's really trying to push a wall. Uh, or, you know, and, and all this, you know, this control of, of, of who's coming in here, who's not coming in here. So I think it's very interesting when we look back at the history, when we break down a lot of these stereotypes and realize it never it never really went down like that again history tells you if anybody was stealing it was it was the it was the quote-unquote actual immigrants that come into california the people coming from you know the eastern the eastern shores and the in the middle of the country uh you know fur trappers and all those guys the john sutters those were the those were the, the the job stealers really sorry <laughs> i mean this is uh, again um history played itself out for what it's worth and you know we are where we are uh, but again don't you know it was it was definitely manipulated and it was you know geared to go in such a way people had to get their lives taken from them people had to be uh stripped again we're going to keep saying people were stripped of their land rights in order for get for us to get here so uh you have to think about that and and when you're thinking about you know again we're pushing these these negative uh stereotypes on people they're saying they're trying to take our jobs they're trying to do this again we have to ask ourselves well, who else is gonna do? Well, first of all, who else is gonna do that? And who's to say that you know when they when they're done disparaging that group, who's to say they're not gonna come against come at you again? So again, it's I don't get it. I don't. I, I'm I'm trying to figure it out uh, where the the anti uh, immigration sentiment is. Of course, there's. I mean, and it, and it keeps leading back to to racial. It keeps leading back to to quote-unquote nationalism and they'll call it nationalism but really what are we saying this country is a country of immigrants and people who are not you know of, of over we're a melting pot of people okay that's 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 what this country you know pretty much has always been even when we talk about the different white groups they all come from different groups of europe different places in europe this was a melting pot. So when, you, when you're when they're forcing some type of national identity again it, or some type of, you know, yeah, again, some type of national agenda, you have to understand where is it coming from and who's saying it? Because, again, you can't you can't have them say, take it back to how it used to be or we need to be more American this or American that you just have Caucasian faces there, conservative Caucasian faces at that. It's not how this works it's not how this that's not who really made this country okay so you know we can't we can't uh fail to recognize or we can't sit back and not uh, give credit to the to the work and the progress that people are making here in this country as well so as and so for as much as we like to say well the immigrants are coming here and raping people they're killing people well there's a lot that's that aren't and for what it's worth there's a lot of american-born citizens that are doing that every day take a look at alaska take a look at some of your major cities we've already broken some of them down to you well i've already broken them down Ain't no we here it's just me but again you know the stereotypes and the and all that, it, it, when you start breaking down the history, when you start doing your research, you understand that this is all contrived. A lot of things that they are saying, they are based in some truth, uh, but again, a lot of it is based on um, propaganda. And it's about pushing a certain, it's about engineering a certain mindset and certain ideologies. They're, they're engineering ideologies in this country. That's one thing they definitely do. And a lot of those seem, and it's unfortunately, uh, it seems to be always, well, there's always seems to be an undertone of race. That's just how it's always been alright y'all I'm gonna call it a wrap for tonight uh, I will be coming back with part 7 we we'll be, will be progressing I'm sorry we will be progressing or I will be progressing uh, throughout California history we will be hitting up the World War II era and we'll be talking about a different type of immigration not foreign immigration but domestic immigration that means we're talking black my black folks we're talking about us I'm talking about where y- a lot of y'all Bay Area people came from yeah Let's talk about it. We're going to talk about uh, post-World War II California. We are talking race. We're going to talk about it. This is what happens. It wasn't just immigration. It's also immigration with an E as well. This is what made our state. This is what makes our state what it is today. And We're going to get to the bottom of why uh, immigration has been given this negative connotation and why we are at a point now where we need to discriminate against such people that is the point we're trying to get to and i'll be back next time with part seven to my golden state issue the history of california immigration all right y'all i will be back tomorrow night uh well maybe even tomorrow morning uh, maybe tomorrow i'll be back monday tomorrow we're gonna to be going over all the sports of the weekend of course i will be hitting you guys up with the history uh, so we're gonna get back into some sports we're gonna talk some college football top 25 we're gonna go over the key matchups of the weekend there's a lot of a lot of stuff to go over so i'll be going over some of the key games there of course you gotta go over the top 25 later on in the week we'll be going over some conference standings as well but that's all that's not for tomorrow but that's later on but just that's just to let you guys know we're going over some news in college football as well tomorrow uh we'll also be going over the mlb playoffs of course uh things keep chugging along there as well i gotta give you guys an update on there as well and then of course we're gonna give you guys well i'm gonna give you guys uh all of the week five uh week yeah week five matchup uh matchups in the nfl Uh, at least some of the top So, uh, we're going to go over some news there as well. Of course, the injury report. This is how we do. So, it's going to be a start of a busy week. Uh, This is the end of another busy one. This is your man, L. Jamal, signing out. Uh, If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight y'all later. Good night.